Okay, anybody here get their ring this weekend? All right, great. Um, You know, I know you're really proud about getting your ring. I can remember back when I got my ring, uh, I felt like all of a sudden I had power, right? Uh, You could hurt people's backs, you know, like a slap. Um, uh, It's a symbol, obviously, of, of great accomplishment, pride of not just being able to attend a great university, but to, uh, of an identity. In many ways, for a lot of people, they might even say the ring is more important than the degree. It's, it's, it's an identity, right? Uh, but sometimes we can use the gifts that we have, we can use the accomplishment that we've gained, sometimes looking maybe short-sightedly at ourselves. Uh, I'll give you a confession, even myself. You know, I was uh, a vocation director for five years, and I lived in downtown Austin. I know. And the place, it gets worse, the place (laughs) where I had to go visit the most was the University Catholic Center at the other school. So, but, get a load of this. All right, I I had a nice satisfaction when I would go and distribute communion with my Aggie ring, the body of Christ, (laughs) the body of Christ. A lot of pride, but uh, maybe not a lot of charity. Uh, All right. Well, we know that as Aggies, it's not all about just pride. We are great, (laughs) but... (laughs) But there is a humility that we're called to have to be selfless servants and leaders as well. Now take all of that that we aspire to in virtue and integrity as Aggies and add to that Christian discipleship. And what is the new level that it's called to take? You know, Father Greg and I have been speaking this semester over discipleship and the cycle of becoming a a disciple in particular one that is sent as an apostle. You have to connect with others and with God. You have to grow your faith, keep worship at the center. But also there comes the time where we also must serve. We give of ourselves. Just as Jesus taught his disciples at the Last Supper, washing their feet and then saying, you call me Master and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. But if that is so, then if I wash my disciples' feet, you must wash the feet of others. Love one another as I have loved you. And so this time of a school of discipleship in which you are in during your college years, being prepared to be sent out into the world to be able to lead calls you to do it in a unique and deepened, nuanced way than just the regular leadership of society or of the world. You must take on Christian leadership. And to do so, Christian leadership means servant leadership. Love one another as I have loved you. Now what I'd like to do is to go into the gospel today and pick out three things that the rich man missed. And in doing so, understand how it is that we are called not just to be leaders, but to be 
servant leaders. And then lastly, we're going to look at where it is that we're called to take that leadership in our lives and in the world. All right. First of all, what is it that happens in this parable? Jesus is telling this to the audience of the Pharisees. Now, by coming to church and hearing weekend after weekend several episodes about the Pharisees, you know that they're supposed to be a noble group, but they oftentimes are doing things for themselves. That in many ways they may hold to the letter of the law, but they do so in a way that isn't sensitive or is not merciful. They tend to be very concerned about themselves and can miss the poor, the needy, the downtrodden, and the sinner who is immediately in front of them. This is the audience that Jesus is trying to poke during the gospel and the telling of this parable. And so he tells the story of a rich man who is wearing purple. I'm glad it's ordinary time today. Uh, <laughs> and he tells the story of Lazarus, who is a poor beggar. This beggar is extremely poor and destitute. You can notice this by the descriptions that are given by Jesus. He is laying at the doorstep of the rich man, unable to stand. He desires, but does not receive, the scraps from the rich man's table. And the only ones that give him attention are dogs who would come and lick his sores, ignored by everyone else going into and from the rich man's house. This man is extremely poor. This man is extremely destitute. Now, what the rich man misses, the reason why he finds himself now in the place of torment, is because he was unable to see the poor man. He was unable to value the poor man. And thus, he was unable to sacrificially love the poor man. Now, let's go into each of those three different points to understand if this is what it means to be a disciple, to be able to love in this way and serve with an attentiveness in this way. We have to appropriate those capacities for ourselves, leaders in formation, to be sent out into the world for servant leadership. First, we have to be able to see the other. Now, when you look at the world and society, this gospel is not trying to say that poor people are better than rich people or rich people are better than poor people. I can tell you as a priest in hearing confessions, everybody has vice, everybody has struggle, everybody has sin. But one of the traps, perhaps, of having affluence is complacency. And in the particular situation of this rich man, he is so consumed with himself in his own vanity that he is unable, figuratively and literally, to raise his eyes 
and to have a sensitive glance towards the other immediately in need before him. Sometimes, when we have and receive everything that we want, it makes us unaware of our own poverty and thus unable to see the poverty of others. So what does this mean? In order to see the other, we have to first of all recognize in ourselves our own poverty and our own need. It is a calling of humility, which means, comes from the word humus, dirt, to lower ourselves in humility, to be grounded in the truth of who we are, and to recognize everything is given to us from God, and that God is always desiring to be merciful towards us in our individual poverty. Now, as we speak in these stories and these terms, we use the word poor and poverty, and most especially there are the material poor, the oppressed and those who suffer injustice. But also there are those who are emotionally poor, spiritually poor. There is simply the person who is in need of someone to care or to listen. These also are moments, if not characteristics, of poverty. To be poor means I have a vacancy to be loved and to be given to. And so the first attribute of a servant leader is to be able to see the other, to acknowledge the need that is in front of me and to transcend the gaze from myself to the other. Now, secondly, let's go ahead and look at what it means to value the other. You'll notice that the rich man never does get it. In fact, he even asks Abraham in some kind of entitled way, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water so that I can have something to drink. He never understands the value of the other person. And so as Christians, we hold and believe and profess and choose to honor the intrinsic dignity of the human person. That every individual, their value is not based upon their usefulness or how convenient they are, or what they have, or what they possess, what they have accomplished in life. Rather, we are created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore bear an intrinsic dignity as sons and daughters of God. You'll notice how Jesus slides in this recognition in the parable, in that the rich man is unnamed. The poor man, Lazarus, has a name. That even the poorest in our midst have an identity. They are known by God, loved by God. And if they are loved God by God and carry such a high value, it means that we are called not just to see them, 
Not just to see their need, but also to value them. To see and value the poor in front of me means that I recognize that they are gift for me. As Christian leaders, we recognize that my leadership doesn't give me something by title or it is not so much attention that I garnish for myself, but rather I am a greater version of myself not by my status, but rather instead by the personalistic norms, which means I am more who I am in relationship with the other. That the poor is a gift for me means that I have the opportunity to be able to give. I have the opportunity to be able to become more who I am called to be in imitation of Jesus Christ. And because of this, this person is not a deficit for me. This person is God's gift to me, drawing out, evoking love and a better version of myself. The Christian sees this, is drawn to the one in need, and seeks to be able to esteem their value. Lastly, after you see the other, value the other, as servant leaders, we have to choose to love the other and to do so in a particular way. Not love emotionally, not love romantically, not love by all sorts of feelings, but rather instead to love as Jesus loved us. It is to be able to say with our life and with our actions and our gestures and our words what Jesus says to us by the gift of his own life upon the cross. Jesus is saying, I love you this much. It means that when there is one before us in need that we strive to love even when it's uncomfortable, drawn by true compassion, not a feeling or guilt, but rather a willingness to compassio, to suffer with the other. I am willing to give of myself in sacrificial love as Jesus has given of himself for me. Hold this for yourself as a barometer. The words of the Eucharist tell us how authentic we are in Christian leadership. As we hear the words, this is my body given up for you, consider yourself. Do you say, this is my leadership which is for me, my status, my gain? Or do we make it harmonious with the sentiment of Christ which says, this is my leadership, given up for you? The direction of discipleship, the direction of leadership, the direction of service is for you. It's for this reason that we come to the Eucharist to be renewed by the ultimate gift 
given to us in our poverty so that the one who is rich and became poor makes us who are poor to become rich in him. Now how is it, and where is it rather, that we are called to serve? You are being formed in these years to be apostles, to be sent out to the church and the world, to exercise an infused leadership with Christian service. To do so means that you serve in the church, perhaps through various ministries, leadership opportunities, being a group leader, going on mission trips, serving the poor, being a liturgical minister, simply even a hospitality minister to welcome those who need welcome. It means that in these exercises of ministry, you strive to see the other, value them, and love with commitment and sacrifice. But service in Christian leadership is not just about being in the church. It's also about going into the world. Consider how important it is as a university student. You hear this all the time. To find for yourself leadership opportunities. And there are a dime a dozen on campus. In whatever capacity you serve on campus, infuse it with Christian discipleship. It does not mean that you are necessarily parading your faith or exhibiting it in some way, but rather you are fleshing it out, living it out. It means that if you are a group leader that you now have the ability to be able to listen to the other, to find the need even directly in front of you and exercise leadership in a different way than those who are just perhaps leading for what they get out of it. Infuse every opportunity with servant leadership. Here's the last thing. Everything that we're calling, being called to do, is because Jesus has done this for us. We are the poor ones. We have the sores of our brokenness, our weakness, and our own poverties. And Jesus sees you where you are in need. He has compassion towards you and values you more than you value yourself. And Jesus says, this is my body given up for you in the place where you are poor. He loves you and is drawn to you. Going back to this parable, You'll notice at the very end, the last plea of the rich man. Oh, just send Lazarus to my five brothers so that they don't suffer the same torment. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Oh, no, but if only somebody should rise from the dead. Jesus says, rather than Abraham, if they do not, Hear Moses and the prophets. 
They will not even listen to someone who is risen from the dead. Jesus is not only telling us how to be disciples. He's forecasting his own resurrection. He is the one who will be raised from the dead. And he is the one who is seeking you, disciples, those who will be able to hear, receive, and believe, and go out like him to love as he has loved you.